I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Joe and Amber, the podcast. The Andre Hopkins watch has reached its conclusion on According to our very own Diana Rossini, Hopkins and the Tennessee Titans are expected to come to terms on a two-year deal that could be worth up to $15 million in the first year. The deal, which is expected to be complete over the next few days, according to our own Teron Davenport of ESPN, will give Hopkins a base salary of $12 million in the first year and could reach up to $15 million with incentives. That's according to the sources Diana Rossini talked to alongside Tyler Folger. My name is Joe Fortenball. Welcome to Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So you and I have been talking about this on Daily Wager for a mm-hmm. while, weeknights, ESPN 2, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, about the AFC South, the Jaguars, an overwhelming odds on favorite in the neighborhood of minus 175, minus 180. That means you're risking $175 to win 100 if you bet the Jags to win the division. We don't think Houston's there. We don't think it's going to be very competitive uh, from Indianapolis, perhaps just not this year with a rookie quarterback. Tennessee, arms up. They had DeAndre Hopkins. What does this mean? Should we be worried? Now, if you believed in Jacksonville before this news, Tennessee signing DeAndre Hopkins shouldn't scare you. You know that? I, I do not think so. No, I, I, I really, really admire Mike Vrabel and the job he does as a coach, similar to Mike Tomlin. I think he, their team's never going to be terrible unless there's catastrophic injury. Right. They're always going to be right around that, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 win season. Um, and adding DeAndre certainly helps. That is not a negative. It's a net positive to have someone of his skill level, even at his advanced age, to add to Traylon Burks, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill on that offense. The O-line is still a bit of an issue, so will Tannehill have, even have the time to access him? That O-line's one of the worst in the NFL. Real bad on paper. Yeah. Real bad. Luckily, Derrick Henry's an O-lineman in terms of stature, so he doesn't really need guys <laughs> to block for him uh, that much. But Tannehill and that passing attack may struggle a little a little bit this season. So I still think Jacksonville is the cream of the crop in that division. I still think they have by far the best quarterback on paper and maybe even one of the better head coach uh, quarterback combos, even though, again, I have a lot of respect for Vable. So this doesn't make me have want to run to the window now and bet the Titans in any futures market over wins, things like that. doesn't make me want to you know, come off my positions on the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's kind of a net neutral move in the grand scheme of the division, but certainly a net positive move for the Titans offense looking at it through that micro lens. I mean, I guess I'm not supposed to be surprised it was the Titans because they were in the running yeah. from the beginning, but I'm just kind of surprised. Hopkins has spent so much of his career – with average to below average quarterbacks, you'd figure if one of the good ones was interested, wouldn't you have wanted to go there and compete? Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, on what led to Hopkins signing with the Titans. In the end, his connections with head coach Mike Rabel, I think money was a big part of this as well. Um, you know, this is a player who was looking at Odell Beckham Jr., who was coming off, you know, a season of injury and, and, and missing time and trying to understand why he couldn't make that same type of money that Odell Beckham was making with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, there was a lot of reasoning why Odell was able to get the amount of money he got, but DeAndre didn't, he didn't get too far behind him there. Um, He came pretty close um, signing with the 
Tennessee Titans on a two-year deal, which that's also really interesting. You, you know, we, we all had expected this would be a one-year deal, but he got a two-year deal, um, twelve million a year with you know up to fifteen million in incentives. Um, and he is now the newest Tennessee Titan, and will join uh, you know Ryan Tannehill out there along with Derrick Henry. I mean, twelve million a year as the base ranks him right around like twenty-third in the NFL. I mean, here are the guys making more than $12 million a year. Corey Davis with wow. the Jets is making twelve point five. Hopkins right around 13 on average, so I should put that right there. He's around 21st. I'll put him ahead of Corey Davis. Odell Beckham's at 15. Cortland Sutton in Denver, 15.2. Allen Robinson in Pittsburgh, your boy, 15.5. Mm. Mike Evans, 16.5. Then I'm just going to read them off. Tyler Lockett, Christian Kirk, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill at $30 million a year. Those are the guys making more than Hopkins. Does this, does this feel low? I thought he was worth way more than yeah, this. It does feel a little low, but I, I think, Joe, this is the NFL saying we don't trust his ability, availability, I should say. We trust yeah, his ability, well but he's on the wrong side of 30 now, and unfortunately his prime years were wasted trying to catch passes from Houston Texan quarterbacks and then trying to figure things out with Kyler Murray. So we saw the play on film decline a little bit. Again, I think he is a upgrade, a massive upgrade compared to what the Titans were going to run out next to Traylon Burks. That, that is unequivocal. That is fact. But he's still, or I should say at this point in his career, I don't think he's someone who you want to pay that 20 $25 million too, because he's not that game-breaker anymore. So somewhat surprised that he wasn't able to find someone other than the Titans, but they were the most desperate. I know the Patriots were a team. A lot of people are surprised. He's not going to go try and play with New England. Don't they have a better shot? Let me ask you this question. Which team do you think would have been the right decision? If he's looking for team success, would you go in that more competitive AFC East, tag yourself to Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, or would you – Take the risk, I guess he did say, and say, all right, I'll go to the AFC South with Mike Vrabel, even though the offense and the, the, the history of the team may not be as significant. Like, which team do you think would have been the better option for him, or which team would have inspired you more to be bullish on them in the futures market? If those are your options, you just take whatever the most money is, because okay. I don't think either team's going anywhere. Right. I don't think Tennessee, I love Vrabel. I think mm-hmm. Vrabel has made. I don't even want to say it, but what chicken what out of chicken what? Right, you know what, I'm saying? I, what I agree. He's been given as I ingredients, agree. and what he's done, he's a tremendous head coach. Uh-huh. You hit the nail on the head. In New England, the division stacked. I don't know if he believes in Mac Jones. I don't know if that team's going to turn it around. I don't think either team is a threat to do a whole lot in the AFC. And as a result, I would just take every last dollar. Yeah. I, what does this say about New England, though? You know, you go back a little over a decade. Randy Moss was signing there mm-hmm. to form a super team that won every single game except the Super Bowl against the Giants. I think it was legit. Like, Hopkins was there. He met with them. He talked to everybody. He saw everything he needed to see, and he signed with Tennessee. I have to imagine it's just because they offered more money, right? Well, let's talk to Mike Reese, ESPN NFL Patriots reporter, who will give us some insight on what the level of interest was between the Patriots and Hopkins. Well done. It wasn't close from what I understand and and if I had to sum it up based on the information um, that I believe is is credible um, from behind the scenes I would say the Patriots dipped their toe in the waters for DeAndre Hopkins the Titans jumped right in Mm. and so in terms of which team was more aggressive um, it was decisive in the Titans favor that's not much of a surprise right because this Titans team set themselves back 
God knows how many years by having A.J. Brown, <laughs> trading him to Philadelphia, and then that season going to Philadelphia for a road game in which A.J. Brown not only destroyed you, but destroyed you so bad that after the game, the owner fired the general manager for <laughs> trading him to Philadelphia. Like, that's as bad as it gets. So now they're trying to piece things together here, but it really set them back because it was just a couple years ago they the AFC championship game. Yeah, they were like a 12 and 5. Remember they had the one seed in the AFC? They were a beastly. Years ago? Yeah, I mean, Tannehill revived his career there. Derrick Henry was a beast, and you had A.J. Brown um, and, you know, some other kind of supplementary pieces around. The defense has always been good under Mike Vrabel, but. This is a year that it looks like they're going to be on a rebuild. And I think, again, the fact that he had to, quote-unquote, settle for this money relative to his reputation and, quote-unquote, settle for this situation, Tennessee, which is not that attractive for wide receivers. They're going to still hand the football off to Derrick Henry a lot, I think says what the market was for DeAndre Hopkins out there. He kind of overestimated it, thought there'd be more interest, whether it be the Patriots, whether it be a contender like Baltimore, the Jets, or the Chiefs. Those are some other teams that were mentioned. And maybe they were willing to do so, but maybe only at, you know, two, three, four, five million dollars. And maybe he just was not willing to do that. He wanted to get his bag. God bless him. Yeah. Go do that. If you're an NFL player, this appears to be the only team that was willing to offer anything close to what I think he looks at as his own market value. Quickly, let me throw this at you. Tannehill's the starter, mm -hmm. but they drafted Will Levis out of Kentucky who slid on draft night. Tannehill now has weapons, all right? He's got Traylon Burks, but he's also got Hopkins, and he's got a healthy Derrick Henry backing him up. How much pressure is he going to feel? How, do you think he makes it through the entire season, or do you think he eventually gets benched for Levis? I'll tell you this. He's not on my list of the top five players in the NFL facing the most pressure. But Ooh, I do nice. think he is feeling some to prove that there is value or he has a role in this league beyond Tennessee. Um, because it looks like Tennessee is at some point going to move to Will Levis. Maybe he can prove to the Titans, hey, put that on pause. I can be here for Give me another two years. Maybe he's that good, or maybe he proves to another team that's looking for that veteran bridge quarterback for the next couple of years that, hey, bring me in and we'll still be a competitive team. Speaking of what Tyler had just mentioned, is it possible for a first-year starter in the NFL to be under the most pressure in the league? He's going to tell us how he ranks his top five players under the most pressure Next, he's Tyler Folger, Mom Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hey, it's Amber Wilson. Coming up on Tuesday, which good NFL teams from last season will end up regressing this season? Should the Eagles be concerned? We'll answer that and more on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN2. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. 
better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. Burrow. Touchdown, what a start. Tua actually has one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them. The top five players with the most pressure. Number five. He's Tyler Folger, Mom, Joe Fortenball. Welcome to the show. I revealed my top five players under the most pr- pressure earlier in the show. We will revisit that later. Mr. Folgem, you are up. Give us number five. Number five is a name you had on your list, and it was near the top. It's Josh Allen. Now, he's secured his bag. He is beloved by Bills Nation. They're never going to give up on him, but he has not had that success, legacy success that guys like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes have had, even Lamar Jackson with an MVP in the AFC. So he's feeling some of that pressure, I think, to either win that MVP, get this team to a Super Bowl, but he's got his money, he's got his love from his home fans, so that's why he's number five on my list. Now, this whole thing going on with Steph Diggs, too. It's mm-hmm. like, what's going on? That team was so well run. It seemed like they had a great culture. There were no issues. Now you're hearing rumblings about the coach and how some people feel towards him and whether or not there's some drama and who's calling plays and how things are being operated. Definitely some pressure because a couple years ago, this team, it was the sky is the limit, and they fizzled out last year against Cincinnati. Got to step it up again this season. Number four. Another name that you had on your list, Tua Tungavailoa. It all comes down to the fact that he has not yet secured his second contract, his bag, so to speak, like Josh Allen. And it looks like he has the ability, especially in this Mike McDaniel offense, to be that franchise quarterback. The only thing is, will he be available for Mike McDaniel, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle? So I think he's feeling pressure to make sure he can get through 14, 15, 16 games, be healthy for the postseason. And I imagine there's some mental anguish there because he has not had a very good or a lot of fortune, good luck in terms of the injuries going back to his time at Alabama. So that's why he's number four on my list. I don't think it's he has to prove he can play. I think he did that last year. Now it's he has to prove that he can stay healthy. He's reportedly been taking jujitsu lessons this offseason in an attempt to learn how to fall better. Sparring with Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg, Musk. It could be a three-way death (laughs) match featuring Tua Tungavailoa as well. I agree with everything you say about that. Sky's the limit for this team if he can stay healthy. Mike White is the backup. Imagine Mike White stepping in for the Dolphins and winning football games. Imagine Mike White stepping in for the Dolphins late in the season and taking out Aaron Rodgers (laughs) and the Jets. How delicious would that be? Wow. Number three. Justin Fields is number three on my list. And now we get to the players who have not yet really earned their money and are playing to prove 
that they are franchise quarterbacks. That's where I think the real pressure is, Joe. I think for these guys, it's not, oh, do I win and add to my legacy? It's, can I secure that nine-figure contract that sets up my kids, their kids, their kids after that for the rest of their life? So, Justin Fields hasn't had the fifth-year contract picked up. We know he was awesome last year, especially down the stretch. From a fantasy perspective, had one of the greatest rushing seasons by a quarterback in NFL history. But there's still a lot of question marks about whether or not he can do it from the pocket. He can be as efficient with his arms as he was with his legs. I like what Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears did, bringing in DJ Moore, drafting an offensive lineman, helping that infrastructure around him. Now he's got to prove at least show a, a significant step. I don't think he needs to be an all-pro or pro bowler, but he's need to, he needs to build on what he did last year and show that he is worth that fifth-year option at the very least or a long-term extension. I love Bears fans. I love Chicago. I would love to see this team rise back up from the ashes. I think last year was a step in the right direction. I think Fields is an extraordinarily exciting player to watch. The one thing I'm going to throw in here. I hope he learns how to avoid contact. The guy takes way too many big shots. Look around the NFL, man. You got to find a way to get out of bounds. You got to find a way to get down. I know you're tough. I know it adds to the running yards you pick up, but you've got to think long-term. You got to think big picture. So what if you don't run for 1,100 yards? Run for 900, but get down and stay healthy. That franchise needs you. Number two. It's Jordan Love. Of the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love. What has he proven? He has not proven anything. When he's had his time, very rare, very small sample size, he has not looked like a suitable successor to Aaron Rodgers. He he does not have that long-term contract. He's basically on a one-year prove-it deal with the Green Bay Packers this season. So he has to prove, at least show some modicum of capability with this Green Bay team, or they could be looking to replace him because he's been in the NFL now for a long time. And again, Aaron Rodgers was there and didn't give him a lot of opportunity, but the small sample size opportunity he has had, he did not look like a capable NFL starter. I think he's feeling a lot of pressure to prove to those doubters that he can be, maybe not for the Packers, but for someone for 2024 and beyond, a starting caliber quarterback that can earn $10, $15 million a year. They're spoiled up there too. 30 years of Favre in the Aaron Rodgers. They're not used to poor quarterback play. So this is going to be important that Love get off and running this year. I think there's a lot of pressure on Coach LaFleur up there. I mean, was it Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. or was it him? So he's going to need to step up quietly, very quietly, as I say this to a national audience, very (laughs) quietly. If you can find them at 5-1 to to win the division, I like that price. Mm. I do. The Bears only won three games last year. Minnesota's headed for regression. Detroit, still Detroit. They've had two slow starts under Dan Campbell. And if Love turns out to be a decent quarterback, there's talent there. Mm -hmm. I would not be shocked if Love played average football and the Packers won some games this season. Number one. Most pressure. This one may shock you. I'm ready. Brock Purdy. Old Brock Purdy, huh? Brock Purdy is feeling the most pressure to prove that last year as mystery relevant was not a fluke. As a seventh-round irrelevant draft pick, he is not making a boatload of money. Now, I know Kyle Shanahan has said, we want Brock Purdy to have this job. But guess what? There are not one but two former first-round draft picks behind Brock Purdy. So if there is a two-, three-game slide where he is turning the ball over or not putting, helping George Kittle, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel get in the end zone, his leash is going to be short because there are first-round assets behind him he's coming off an injury as well i think purdy's under a lot of pressure to prove that last year was not a flash in the pan joe i don't even know if he'll be ready to go to start week one like imagine that sam darnold has a hell of an opportunity to revive his career 
a hell of an opportunity given what we've seen some of these quarterbacks do in Kyle Shanahan's system. Bravo. I don't have to agree, but bravo. A very interesting list for your top five players feeling the most pressure. Neither one of us went non-quarterback at right. any spot. Yeah. I mean, like, who's feeling pressure yeah. in a non-quarterback position? Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson trying to maintain the mantle. I don't know. We'll get to it. The Jets are up next on Hard Knocks. How about that? But what does Aaron Rodgers have to say about it? We sound off, sound off. Greedy. LeBron James, if you refuse to acknowledge that this guy is as good as anybody that ever lived, at this point, I think it says more about you than it does about him. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Happy Monday, boys and girls, and welcome back to ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's play a little sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. And with that in mind, we welcome producer extraordinaire Nick Cardi to the show. Nick, here's how it works. You go ahead and set up the pins. Tyler and I will knock them down. How does that sound? Works for me. All right, we'll start with our very good friend of Joe and Amber, Aaron Rodgers, the Jets quarterback. It was announced officially today that HBO will select the New York Jets to be on hard knocks this season. And here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about it. I understand the, the appeal with us. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So uh, they forced it down our throats, and we got to deal with it. Oh, forced it down our throats, Mr. Fulgham. What do you think about the Jets appearing on Hard Knocks and all the griping coming out of New York? A lot of eyes on me. Yeah. Of, yeah I mean, there's uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, love him or hate him, he is uh, not going to change. Uh, I heard the Jets are going to try and limit access, too, because they did not want to be um, featured on Hard Knocks. But, you know, this is the kind of price of doing business when you bring in Aaron Rodgers in. Um, I don't want to hear, I'm not interested in hearing gripes about not being uh, on Hard Knocks or any other show. So keep it moving, Aaron. Keep it moving, Jets. Why is this such a big deal every single year? None of these teams want to do it. Is it because they've got such great secrets they don't yeah, want to let it out? Right. Like the Jets, who haven't found a way to win anything in decades, don't want you to get access to their facility because what? You're going to see <laughs> how they go about not winning football games and they're going to be embarrassed? It's the same thing every year for the Jets. I don't... I, 
This is business. We saw what the Formula One show on Netflix, Drive to right, Survive, did right. for the sport. Football in this country is already huge. People would say they don't need any more promotion, but this is what the fans want. This is the content. Just start assigning teams then. Do away with the rules about whether if you make the playoffs, you're not eligible. Start assigning teams. Put San Francisco in there and just rotate through every year so that everybody has to take a turn and deal with it. What else we got, Cardi? All right, next, your 76ers, Joe. Joel Embiid. Not my 76ers. Get to the conference finals, and I'll start rooting for you again. Well, that's actually what Joel Embiid was talking about when he was sat down with Maverick Carter at the Uninterrupted Sports Film Festival. Courtesy of Twitter, AJ Torres123 had this clip of Embiid talking about his desire to win a championship. I just want to win a championship. Um, you know, whatever it takes. I don't know where that's going to be, whether it's in Philly or, you know, anywhere else. You know, I just want to have a chance uh, to accomplish that. I want to see what it feels like to win that first one and then pick about, you know, the next one. Uh, you know, it's not easy. So I heard Joel Embiid say, I want to win a championship in Philly or anywhere else as a not 76ers fan. That's your best player willingly admitting that maybe he'll have to go somewhere else, Joe? Is that what I'm hearing? I don't care. <laughs> I am tired of all the talk that comes out of Philadelphia in regards to the basketball team. It is talk, talk, talk. It is talk all preseason, all season, and then there's a bunch of talk for why it didn't go well, why it didn't work out. Then there's more talk about the future, more talk about this. Talk, talk, talk. Is there an organization in sports that talks more and produces less than the Philadelphia 76ers? I don't care. You want to win a championship in Philly or anywhere else? That's a statement that every human being on (laughs) earth will make. I want to win a championship. Would love to do it here or would love to do it anywhere else. I would like to have a nice dinner tonight in this casino or in another one Mm -hmm. or at home with my wife and kids. It's not a state that doesn't mean anything. It's just word salad. I mean, good God with this team. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, I don't even know what to say yeah, about this no, anymore. I'm not a Philadelphia fan. I do like Joel Embiid. He may need to go somewhere else to win that championship. I Better think he's a championship Knicks. caliber player. Well, that may be even worse. Jeez. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> the Knicks and the Sixers, they hate each other because they are each other. They're just located a few miles apart and have different names. What else, Nick? All right, well. Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman, the six-year senior transfer from Wake Forest, had a rib surgically removed late last year, and since then he's made the transfer up to South Bend, and uh, he's doing something with that rib. Here's here's his plans for it. The rib is good. It's actually clean. It looks like a fossil. It is well on its way to becoming a necklace. I think we're about... You know, a couple of weeks out from finalizing it, you know, we're just making sure we uh, take great care of it and make sure that it stays in one piece. It's a lot of disbelief, like a lot of my teammates here. It's kind of a, they don't always know. I guess you sometimes assume that people know um, your story and, and how much it sometimes gets told. But um, it is a fun fact, and guys kind of will be like, there's no way, and then I have to show them the scar, and then ultimately they'll ask to see a picture of it, and they immediately regret asking to see a picture of a human rib not inside the body. So, but it's good and well. What, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Sam Hartman, who used to play at Wake Forest, transferred to Notre Dame. He had a rib removed, and now it's going to be part of a necklace. Am I hearing that correctly? There is so many directions we can go with this as, you know, 
Gentlemen who grew up in the 80s, 90s, there's a Marilyn Manson reference oh, in there. Oh, don't I'm, do it. I, I'm just going to say Marilyn Manson. There's also, this sounds like a, it wasn't in the, have you seen the movie The Program? Oh, yeah, of course. Th- this seems like Place something. Place the table. This seems like something Latimer would have done. Yeah. You know, take a rib out and then make it a necklace or something like that. And it, he would have done it with his kidney, it, I think. It's something unreal like this. It sounds too fake to be true, but yet here it is. Um, this is not art. This is real life. So, um, I'm not. I'm sure we'll get a zillion sideline reports on that necklace during this Notre Dame season if he's rocking that underneath his shoulder pads. I mean, that is pretty badass, if I may say. <laughs> Nick, did, did he say why he had to have a rib removed? Um, do we know? I do know it was causing him pain, and I'll find more information, but he had to have it removed in order to play and be able to be at 100%. Okay, interesting. Feels like the lungs are a bit exposed yeah. now because that's why we have the ribs to begin with, but neither here nor there at the moment. Go get him Sam Hardman. Turning that thing into a necklace, that's pretty awesome. Maybe he'll gain a few miles per hour on his fastball. <laughs> He's just going to be like an all-time yoga. <laughs> per- what, what is it? If you're really good at yoga, what are you, a yogi? Yogi, yes. You're a yogi. Yeah, he should become a yogi. The flexibility is probably going to be insane there. All right, what else we got? All right, guys, we'll end on this one. Tim Bontemps was on the Hoop Collective podcast talking about a possible expansion team coming to the city you two are currently in, Las Vegas as well as Seattle. Take a listen. The two places they're going to expand are here and in Seattle. I think at this point we can pretty much wipe away the idea of if this is going to happen, and it's just a matter of when on the calendar these teams are going to start. Is it going to be the 26-27 season? Is it going to be the 27-28 season? But it feels like that is going to be much more of a certainty at this point than even a year or two ago. Because at this point, they're not even hiding behind the possibility of we'll see what happens. He just keeps saying, well, it's not happening right now, but it's going to happen then. Yeah, you didn't need to be some insider to know that this was coming. You saw the success of the NHL and the NFL. We F1 is here now. Golf events are here now. This is a booming, booming entertainment capital and sports capital. So the NBA wants to expand. Vegas made all the sense in the world. Seattle is obviously a great sports town that misses the Sonics. The question becomes, Joe, because here's where maybe you do need to be an insider. Who's owning that team? Uh, we know who's owning that team. Is he there? has made it very clear the two things that are going to be happening in the next few years of his career. Number one, he's going to play with his son. Mm-hmm. And number two, he's going to be an owner, not the full owner, right. but he's going to be the owner, the face of the Las Vegas franchise. Is there any way you don't do that if you're the NBA? And, of course, we are speaking about one, LeBron, LeBron James. Ramon James. Yep. Yeah, no, there's no way it doesn't happen. It's, again, one of those not-so-secret secrets that LeBron will – Reign in the league until Bronny is in the league, and then he'll bow out and he'll move on to the next phase of his basketball career, which is ownership, and it's going to be with the Las Vegas franchise. I mean, basketball here is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be. Hockey already kills it here. I I cannot stress this enough to anyone who has not been to Las Vegas, whether you've seen a game or not. 90% of the license plates in this town are Vegas Golden Knights, especially license plates. Vegas Golden Knights stickers on every car. People love this team because they were born here. They were an expansion team, and obviously they're having a lot of success. If an NBA expansion team comes here, people are going to be on board with that. Keep the A's out of here. We don't want that (laughs) franchise. Nobody wants to win less than a third of their games. Vegas is a town that loves a winner. The A's are not winners. Beat it. Stay out of here. And I feel bad for the people of Oakland who actually want to keep that team, but they just want to see them compete. I was in the Bay Area, and I drove by the Coliseum. Oh, Oh, my my God. Goodness. 
Some, I've been a part of some I, great tailgates. Not there. an ideal place to uh, play baseball 80 times in a summer, but uh, I'm sure they do have great fans there, and it is great a shame fans. that they're going to be leaving um, another Bay Area team to uh, Las Vegas. But it is there's a difference between the fervor for the Raiders here in Las Vegas because they're a borrowed, they're a stepchild, yeah. and the fervor for the Knights, who are a true Las Vegas franchise, and that will be similar for the NBA team, which will be a true Vegas-born franchise couple questions that I, I don't think they would play at T-Mobile Arena, which is where the Knights right. are and a lot of big events are. It's right there behind Park MGM in New York, New York. I think they'd be talking about getting another arena, which is insane that we'd have Allegiant, T-Mobile, this new sphere, sphere. which is just terrifying Bonkers. with this eyeball thing they've got going on, <laughs> and then another basketball arena. Right. But, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just keep stacking them. Yeah. As you know, there's plenty of money in this town. It's only 117 <laughs> degrees today. How about we solve that problem? All right, here we go. It's harder, coming up on the show, to get a second contract as an NFL running back or to climb 14,000 feet up a mountain. Hmm. <laughs> We're going to tell you that next. He's Tyler Folger. I'm Joe Fornball, TSPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hey, it's Amber Wilson coming up on Tuesday. As of right now, Shohei Otani is still on the Angels. But if he gets traded, will that be the biggest move in the history of sports? We'll discuss that and more at 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN2. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Breaking NFL news, no long-term deals done by today's deadline for Giants Saquon Barkley. It's hard to understand what the Giants are going to be on the offensive side of the ball with Saquon Barkley potentially not being a part of that. I think this is the beginning of the end of Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants. These players will not be with their teams when they report to training camp. They probably will not be there for the first preseason games. Which is why I say Saquon needs the Giants more than the Giants need Saquon. News out of the NFL today, July 17th. The 4 p.m. Eastern deadline has come and gone for players who were hit with the franchise tag to reach a long-term deal with their club. Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing last year with 1,653 yards, as well as Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys, the running back who will be taking over for Zeke Elliott, all failed to reach long-term deals with their clubs, so the holdouts, or at least the skipping of the camps, Begin. He's Tyler Folger. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So all three, if they choose to play under the franchise tag this year, will make $10.91 million. A lot of heat on Twitter right now from running backs around the yeah. league supporting yeah. their brothers. And at the same time, a lot of media members standing up for the running back position saying how unfair this is. These guys get beat up. They play for free in college and get beat up, and then they come to the pros. They play on cost-controlled contracts. Mina Kimes made a really good point about that, and they're just not getting what they're due. But this is just the nature of the business. No one said it's fair, but, like, this is how we do business in the NFL. Simple supply and demand economics. Simple, you know, 
um, cost-benefit analysis for the GMs. Like, hey, I can, I don't need to pay a running back twenty million dollars. I, one, that's not a good allocation of assets in a capped league when everything is being geared towards quarterbacks and offense through the air. We just talked about it. If you can throw the football, if you can block for the person who throws the football, if you can catch the football, if you can sack the guy who throws the football or cover the guy who's catching that football, those are the valuable positions. So it definitely sucks for running backs, but it's no just doubt. the nature of the beast in a capped league and a simple supply-demand situation. I mean, when you go about building a team, the first thing you need to do is get the quarterback. The second thing you need to do is get the guy who can attack the quarterback, mm-hmm. which is the pass rusher. The third thing you need to do is protect the quarterback. From there, you start to build out the rest. But, like, where does running back rank? Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, these guys are on Twitter right now talking about how unfair it is. I get it. I get it because it's also this mindset we have now and this approach and this narrative where not only are they not making a lot, but we're sticking it in their face at every turn, Mm -hmm. saying it's just an undervalued or devalued position. It's a devalued position. They get hurt. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean as much anymore. So there's like this insult to injury. It's like punters are never complaining about their pay because no one's ever like, well, these guys are just, you know, they're completely devalued. Like we insult them when we, when we talk about them. So as a result, I feel like they need to stand up and defend themselves. But what more is there to say? Are you more valuable than a left tackle? Are you more valuable than a defensive tackle? Are you more valuable than a cornerback or a safety? I mean, how do you stand up and say that? Because Derrick Henry can raise his hand and say, I am. But then you can look at San Francisco, and it's like any running back you plug in runs for a thousand <laughs> yards in Shanahan's system. I will say for running backs, especially the younger running backs right now in Pee Wee football and um, in high school football, maybe potentially a saving grace is this. Oftentimes things are cyclical in football, and we have seen defenses, especially in the middle, get smaller and smaller to try and account for these spread offenses, slot receivers, and uh, the the passing game. And being able to defend running backs out of the backfield. So smart offensive minds are going to, at some point, realize there is a competitive edge to be had by reinvesting and having a kick-ass running game. Big offensive lineman and a guy like Derrick Henry that can wear you down. Because they, we are seeing it. Defenses are getting smaller and smaller. The size of linebackers. Go back to the or early 2000s. Brian Erlacher played middle linebacker at 250 pounds. You just don't see that now. No. Linebackers are 230, 225, because they have to have range from sideline like to sideline. Jeremiah Trotter, he was oh, like 270, gosh. but he couldn't cover. LeVon Kirkland was like yeah. 275. Like Starting to see maybe some smart offenses lean into the advantage you can have by having a power run game. Last year, we saw it start with I believe it was the first time in many years that uh, running backs or running games had averaged more than like four and a half yards per carry across the NFL. And that's because you got guys like Shanahan who know how to design a run game and you're seeing defenses get smaller and smaller to try and match up personnel-wise with the spread offensive attacks, slot receivers, that type of thing. So maybe 10 years from now, there's another cycle where the best teams in the NFL are the ones that actually can run you to death with power football. I'm not saying that's what I think is going to happen, but maybe it's possible that there's a team or two that finds success doing that. And we know it's a copycat league, Joe. So if one team wins a Super Bowl by running the ball 40 times a game, there's going to be other franchises that try and mimic that. I just don't see how these guys are going to start making more money or at least money in line with what they want, given the way the game is played and the salary cap structure that's in place. You know you need to spend on the quarterback position. Okay, check. We all know that. 
but you need guys who can catch the ball, guys who can protect. You got to get after the opposing opposing quarterback with pass rushers. You got to be able to play corner. You know, you look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl this year. Who were the star running backs? Philadelphia trotted 42 different guys out there. You had Gainwell. You had Boston Scott. You had Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders left in free agency and signed the richest deal for any running back this offseason. Four years, $25 million. That's $6.25 million per year. Justin Tucker, a kicker, makes $6 million a year. That was the biggest, most lucrative deal for a running back in free agency, except for the three guys who got hit with the franchise tag and are going to make over $10 million. So they can gripe all they want. Right. We feel their pain. We can empathize. But at the same time, you're not going to be able to hold out. Everyone remembers what happened to Le'Veon Bell in 2018. He cost himself a mint in that process. Mm-hmm. So you're going to end up showing up game one, and you're probably going to be disgruntled, and you're going to hope to get through the season, and that's going to be that. Just look at the – I mean, I, again, I hate to say this for running backs because I love running backs. That's how I fell in love with football watching Barry Sanders, Emmitt, Emmitt Smith, Smith, and, and yeah. those guys. So, But just look at the Super Bowl champions in the last four or five years. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Isaiah Pacheco was their lead back. And Jarek McKinnon was off the scrap heap catching passes out of the backfield for Patrick Mahomes. They tried to use a first-round pick on Clyde edwards yeah, but They couldn't stay healthy. Work. They didn't even need him. The Rams the year prior took Sony Michelle off the scrap heap and yeah. made him the lead back because Cam Akers That's was hurt. Right. The year before that, it was Tampa Bay. Okay, Leonard Fournette. Again, an afterthought after he flamed out with Jacksonville yeah. and then was mostly effective because he was catching passes from Tom Brady. Before that, it was Damian Williams with Kansas City. Before that, Deion Lewis and Sony Michelle of the New England Patriots when they beat the Rams. So... Recent trends have shown you can find running backs and win championships. You got to spend elsewhere. You got to spend elsewhere. It's about allocation of resources. If you want to put $18 million per year into the running back position, great. Then everyone's going to be mad your offensive line stinks or that you don't have a star wide receiver or that your cornerbacks can't defend opposing wide receivers. Uh, Climbed Mount Rainier this past weekend. How nuts is that as a transition? Oh, yeah, that's nice. 14,410 feet. It was my annual Masogi. For anyone who does it, Masogi, I believe it is. I should probably know how that's pronounced. (laughs) One big, thick challenge a year to test yourself and push the boundaries. And um, I'm paying for it. It really, really hurt. Really well, hurt. Congratulations, my friend. I did nothing of the sort this weekend, but you are uh, you are a true man of of great will. Freddie and Fitzsimmons next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Greedy. If being on Hard Knocks creates any problems for this team, then they were going to have them anyway. You are the most interesting team in the NFL, and the Jets should embrace that. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.